Welcome to Live the Grass. I am Brian Naylor, and I'm joined on the line by Mike Rifo. On today's podcast, we're going to be previewing the Week 13 NFL slate, as well as a big announcement at the end of the pod. We're also going to be starting with a slightly different format this week, with the season winding down and draft picks and other outside influences playing a bigger factor in the sort of motivations for all the teams. We're going to be concentrating on five of our favorite picks each. Uh, They can be at the spread or over-unders. And then we're going to wrap up with single-game parlays because we do most of our bets through FanDuel and they've been running a promotion all season. Uh, So that's going to be the format for today and the rest of the regular season. All right, man, let's get into it. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Doing well. I'm kind of interested in what the big announcement at the very thing. I'm I'm looking forward to that as much as everyone else is, I'm pretty sure. Unless I already know and I've already forgot. (laughs) It's so big that only half the hosts on the show know it. All right, so I'll be starting off. So I like my first game is going to be the Atlanta Falcons at home against the New Orleans Saints. Saints are favored by two and a half on the road here, and I like Atlanta. I think they also could be sort of a sneaky money line candidate here. I, I think their defense is playing better. I think they, I, I said this two weeks ago when they played last time. I think they got sideswiped with this Taysom Hill, Hill announcement. He was announced the starter on Friday. All the indications all that week for everybody outside of New Orleans were pointing towards Jameis Winston. So I'm sure that the Atlanta defense planned all week for Jameis. And then on Friday, they announced it was Taysom Hill. And even in the first half, that game was really competitive. It was a one field goal game late in the second. And then in the second half, Taysom Hill scored two rushing touchdowns and kind of ran away with it. I don't think he did anything impressive last week in, at Denver. New Orleans went on to throw up Denver, but as it's well publicized, Denver didn't have any starting quarterbacks or any quarterbacks whatsoever. They were starting wide receivers off their practice squad. So I think that's really back-to-back games that no team has really had an opportunity to take advantage of this Taysom Hill situation. And I think that ends here. I think Atlanta's playing really well. So they're they're a very good 4-17. and They were 0-5 under Dan Quinn. But since Raheem Morris has taken over, they're four and two, and they and the two losses are the the one side swipe game with Taysom Hill at quarterback, and then a game that if Todd Gurley falls down at the one instead of scoring, they would have been able to run out the clock and win the game. But he scored, and then it gave Detroit an opportunity to come down the field and score at the end of the game with no time left to win. Julio practiced on Wednesday. He did not practice today on Thursday. There, I, I read some team stuff saying that since it's a hamstring injury, that they think it's just a rest day for him, uh, that, that Wednesday's practice was more of an indicator about whether or not he'll play. So I'm optimistic there, even though it's not solidified. But either way, I've been wanting to call this Taysom Hill thing a scam for weeks now, and I think that this is going to be the week. Yeah, I mean, initially I looked at Atlanta on the side. Uh, my first pick will still be the same game, but I actually like the over. Uh, it's currently at 45 and a half. It's I'm actually against against the trend because it's gone down from 47 and a half. And I think at one point I saw it at 45. But I, I'm with you. I actually like Atlanta in the spot. I'd probably stay with the points just because I'm not entirely sure if they can. They, they just they figure out ways to lose. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, I mean, you're looking at the first matchup. I just don't think history repeats itself on a couple of key stats. 
Third down conversions, both teams were kind of abysmal compared to their season. Uh, Atlanta was two for 14. That's 14% on third down conversions, where on the season they're 41%. New Orleans, four for 11, 36%, season 46%. So, and, and remember, that was the first game that uh, Taysom Hill started. So I, I do think not only was Atlanta trying to figure them out, but I think New Orleans was also trying to figure out how they're going to actually make this whole thing work. And then, you know, last game, they semi did that against a, a pretty good Denver team as far as third down conversions go. They were uh, seven for 15 for, and that was a 47%. So back up to where they're normally at on the season. Remember Atlanta scored only nine points in that game. Atlanta is averaging 26 on the season. You know, first half, they sustained long drives. Four of the six drives, they made it into New Orleans territory. Second half, different story. They just decided to, uh, to stop protecting um, the quarterback. And I, I think New Orleans just adjusted much better than uh, Atlanta did to the Julio Jones injury in the first half. It does like, I mean, like you, you mentioned it, so I'm not going to try and go over it, but Jones does look like he he's going to play, I think. He didn't play last week, but him playing, or I'm sorry, him practicing on Wednesday, I think is uh, pretty big. And even if he doesn't produce, he makes others better. If you're New Orleans, you got you to gotta cover him. You got to got to make sure where he is on the field because he can, he's a game changer. You mentioned Marie Morris ever. Yeah. You mentioned the four and two that's big, but also in Atlanta and the games that uh, Jones has played under him, he's flourished. They, they, they're three and one in those games and he's averaging seven catches for 106 yards and three total touchdowns in those, in those four games. So, I mean, Julio Jones is loving Raheem Morris. Yeah, New Orleans defense is good, but they're not as good as they've been playing. Last four games are allowing seven seven points a game. Seven games before that, 28 points a game. Um, the, the last three opponents was Denver. Uh, they Obviously, like you mentioned, they didn't have a quarterback. Atlanta, they, uh, they just didn't show up in the second half. And then San Francisco, where Nick Mullins was making his second start ever. So I don't think New Orleans defense is... Uh, is as good as they're playing within the past four games. I think points are going to be scored here, so I like the over. Look at this new format. Look <laughs> at that solid talk time for an over. <laughs> I, I wow. mean, I, but I like talking I mean, about flourishing. It's a, it's a. I, I'm with you, man. I, I actually, I think Atlanta is is the right call here for for numerous reasons, but majority of the majority of the reasons that you had mentioned so i'm with you i i, I like this game i i think you should buy up that half point and i think you yeah would be, I, I think you'd be would that too. smart but yeah I, i'm with you i think atlanta is the side here because i think i think they get after Taysom hill i think they figure it out a little bit more yeah i agree so my my second pick los angeles rams at the arizona cardinals rams are favored by three in the spot i like the cardinals uh, I've liked the Cardinals all year. I think they could potentially be a money line candidate if if it gets to two and a half. But I, I I like him at the three right now. So this is three weeks from Kyler Murray's shoulder injury. His rush attempts have cut in half in those three weeks. But the if you read a lot of the Arizona Cardinals stuff, yeah. So if you read some of the beat reporters uh, around the Arizona Cardinals, they were saying that in the practices that they've had to tone down some of the RPOs for Murray on rushing so that they've, the coaching staff has wanted him to throw a little bit more of the shoulder injury. They don't want him in design runs where he's getting, you know, 300 pound guys are falling on him. His rush attempts have cut in half in the last three weeks, but they were saying that this week it looks like he looks more spry. His shoulder looks good. I think this is a nice little game for them. The cards play everybody pretty close. They had three of their losses this year are all by field, late field goals. 
they haven't really been blown out uh, by anybody. Uh, they lost by three points to the Patriots last week. They lost by a touchdown uh, against Seattle the week before that, but but they had an opportunity with less than two minutes left to win that game. They lost by a field goal to the Dolphins. All these games are close. So in division, I like this game. I think that's going to make sense for them. Golf is really bad uh, against pressure. The cards are 12th best in the NFL at getting after the quarterback. So I like the cards in this spot as an underdog. So I'm going to take the cards and the points. I mean, I, I, I'm going to rebuttal every single pick <laughs> point that you just made. <laughs> Go uh, at it. I mean, I'm on the opposite side. Uh, I'm actually taking the Rams at the minus three. I'm I'm in the camp that I don't see Murray being majorly effective here. Last four games, three of the team, three of the four teams in the top are, are in the top ten of blitzing quarterbacks when they drop back. Last game. Billy Belly blitzed Murray on 36% of his dropbacks. New England normally only blitzes 26%. Why the increase? Belichick has seen what Arizona has been. They've been 1-2 and two in the last three. Should have been 0-3. I'm sorry, 1-2 and two in the last three. Yeah, I said that. Uh, should have been 0-3 if not for the Hale Murray play against Bill uh, against the Bills. Basically, that was three straight games where he was blitzed on 35% of his dropbacks. They're one. They're one and three in those games. I believe Sean, Sean McVay will continue this trend, and the Rams will come after Murray. Speaking of Mur- uh, McVay, the dude owns the Cardinals since taking over for uh, the head coach for the Rams. He's six and zero against the Cardinals. In those games, he's only allowing a little over nine points a game against the Cardinals, including two shutouts. Two shutouts against one team. That's amazing to me. In the NFL. Anyways, Murray's Murray stats against the Rams last year, not great. 59% completion rate, 244 yards average in those two games, two TDs, three interceptions, and two lost fumbles in those two games. Uh, and then lastly, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I think, will keep DeAndre Hopkins in check. Uh, he, he did against uh, Seattle's DK Metcalf, only had two receptions for 28 yards in that game. And then lastly, Jared, you were saying Jared Goff doesn't like pressure, but he loves playing against his, uh, these Rams. And it's actually kind of eerily similar to last season. 2019, week 12, Goff, Goff, Goff played Baltimore. was terrible. 212 yards, zero TDs, two interceptions. 2019 rolls around. Week 13, he goes to Arizona, goes nuts. 32 for 43, 424 yards, two touchdowns. Ramp it up to 2020 the best year of best year in the history of the you know of the world let's be honest week (laughs) (laughs) week 12 again goff again terrible 198 yards zero tds two interceptions against the san francisco 49ers 2020 week 13 still remains to be seen but i love him in the spot i actually do think goff does pretty well on this going back to 2019 he played arizona and I believe it was week 17. He had 311 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, I just don't think history repeats itself. And I actually like the Rams to win win pretty convincingly, to be honest with you. All right. That looks like it's going to be an offline bet for us. I, I honestly cannot wait to just talk shit to you about that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love how you're like, he's one in, he's one and two in his last three. He had, he had, with a minute and 40 seconds left, he had an opportunity to win it in Seattle and didn't. And then the or Zane missed a field goal from like 40 yards and they, or else they would have beaten the Patriots. I don't think those are exactly 
solid stats to be throwing in Murray. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's, it's also it's against it's, it's against New it's England. It's against New England. It's against New England. It's against New England. They're a losing team. Whether or not Billy Belly is there, they're a losing team. I'm just saying, I do think Rams are not a, a heavy blitzing team. But if McVeigh is smart, and he is, I actually like him as a coach. I I think he blitz them blitzes him just as much as everyone else has in the past four weeks i think that is a big difference uh it's a pretty good transition so okay so that was your pick okay so the the next pick for me i'm going to be going with the new england patriots at the la chargers so i believe this is now new england minus one when i looked at this last it was chargers minus one and a half but i believe it's moved i think this is maybe the biggest coaching mismatch i can remember anthony lynn is terrible statistically record wise and Belichick's the best coach ever. Lynn is eight and 19 since he started the 2019 season and the chargers are four and 16 in one score games since the beginning of 2019, far and away the worst record of the NFL. Belichick is 19 and five against rookie quarterbacks in his career. He hasn't lost to a rookie quarterback in seven seasons. The chargers overall, they are pretty close. The teams themselves, the chargers are 24th in football outsiders DVOA and Pats are 26. So they're they're pretty it's a pretty even matchup on paper. But I, I just think if it comes to, you know, time management, if it comes to calling the right plays, all of that, I think it's all gonna go New England's way. And also the Chargers defense does not match up with what the Patriots like to do. The Chargers are fifth worst against the run. Pats have a run heavy offense. And if you just look at and if you just look at the track record of what the Chargers have, have haven't been able to do, it's stopping the run against just their last handful of opponents. The Bills rush for 172 yards against them. They're 23rd in rushing efficiency. The Raiders rush for 160 yards. They're 14th in rushing efficiency. The Jags rush for 140 yards. They're 18th in rush efficiency. Chiefs, 125. They're 19th. Bengals, 122, and they're 25th. What are the Patriots going to get? We don't know, but they're third in rush efficiency. So they're the third best, the third most efficient rushing team. The Chargers are just handing over yards to a bunch of teams that are way worse than them on the run. So I, I like, I think this is going to be a low scoring game uh, personally, but I, I'd like New England here uh, to win it. Yeah, good points. Uh, I mean, the, the coaching mismatch is uh, glaring, to be honest with you. The only thing that I was, I was a little hesitant on this game is Eckler being back, and he showed up last week. Patriots, again, not as stellar uh, against the run, and I'm, I'm kind of interested. But I, I do like your your, your point that, uh, you know, Belichick is uh, vastly better than Anthony Lynn, so I'm with you on that. Oh, just got an alert. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray was a full participant in all throwing and running drills today. It's nice to Oh, yeah, no, that's good. Were they blitzing him? Probably not. All right. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway, so my third game, I got the uh, Cleveland Browns at plus six at Tennessee Titans. I'm on the uh, Cleveland side right here. Titans defense is still a liability. Uh, Cleveland played Jacksonville last week. Baker, 19 for 29, 258, two TDs, zero interceptions, 116 rating. Uh, the past defense, Jacksonville in the season, 29th. Tennessee 28. So I do think Baker actually has a half decent game this uh, go around. Tennessee, not great against the run. Obviously, Cleveland needs a great running uh, team. They're middle in the pack defensively, Tennessee is. So as long as Chubb and Hunt can get the wheels going, the play action, I think, for 
for Mayfield is going to be uh, pretty key in this game. So I, I really don't think Cleveland will have any issue moving the ball here against Tennessee. Both teams are very similar, so the so the point so that's why the points here for the plus six. I just I find it interesting. Both in the top three in rushing offense, both in the bottom half in passing offense. Rush defense, Cleveland ninth, Tennessee sixteenth. Um, but it's uh, it's like less than ten yards a game, so it's not that huge of a difference. Pass defense, Cleveland twentieth, Tennessee twenty eighth. So a slight edge, Cleveland there. Um, and then the record against common opponents, again, kind of the same Cleveland five and two, Tennessee four and three, you know, it's just the main point I'm saying there is that they're, they're two similar teams. I I just find it crazy that it's that big of a spread. Derrick Henry is obviously always going to be the X factor here. I don't think Cleveland's going to be able to completely stop him, but I do think they'll be able to semi slow him down. Tennessee has only played you know, three times against the top 10 defense and two of those times were against the Colts. And I, I think you know, if you've listened to this podcast, like the two people I know, uh, you know how I feel about the Colts defense. So who's the other person? Some guy from Switzerland. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) But I mean, you take out, you take out those three games, Tennessee's face the sixth easiest schedule against the run. So, I mean, not saying that Henry's not, is being overrated by any means, but they have had a, a a semi cupcake schedule, uh, for defensive, uh, defensive run team so i mean it's big it's a big game for both teams both are in the playoff wild card positioning so um i just think that the number is what's key here uh i do believe tennessee will get the win here but it's just it's it's too many points if it starts heading in the uh, other direction get to maybe four that's when i would be like eh, maybe not but any, now that it's at six uh, i would probably buy that extra point just to be on the safe side but um i like cleveland here i like the titans <laughs> i'm not betting them but i i was mighty leaning, mighty titans <laughs> i was leaning on the titans i i think the browns are a pretty crummy eight and three team their their schedule has been trash and and the and all the good teams they've played they've got blown out by ravens beat them by 32 the Steelers beat them by 31. I, you know, they're squeaking out wins against Jacksonville and the Eagles. I, I like the Titans here. I think Henry's going to keep rolling. I, I, I do agree. Both teams are going to score. I, I just like the idea of, uh, of late season Derrick Henry in this spot. So I'd probably disagree, but we'll see. Okay. So the, the next game for me is I'm going the, I'm taking the Indianapolis at Houston Texans game, and I am taking the under. The under is at 50 and a half. A lot of this is sort of situational. So not only are they division rivals, so they know each other pretty well, There's, they're, they're probably not going to be surprising one another. Houston lost Fuller last week because of a PED suspension. He'll be gone for the rest of the 2020 season. They cut Kenny Stills last week, and Cobb is missing this game as well. So it's just going to be a lot of Brandon Cooks. Indianapolis, Indianapolis isn't super healthy either. They, their left tackle is not going to be starting, and their center has a neck injury and is questionable for the game as well. So I like the under here. I I think it's just sort of a perfect storm of injuries and them having to force extra balls to Brandon Cooks and that I don't really think he's the kind of guy that can be your number one wide receiver and be be an effective offense. So uh, that's that's what I think. Do you know how much the line has moved since, or I mean for the over-under on that by chance? 
so when we grabbed it, when I did this, uh, the grab on Monday, it was at 51 and it's gone down to 50.5. So it's only moved a Holy half. Holy crap. Point. Actually, it was a lot more than that. Damn. Uh, I, on Even on Sunday, it was as high as 54. Well, I, but when did the news about Fuller come like out? Like right around Sunday. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't Sunday. He pl- Well, I guess he played Thursday. Or Monday. Yeah. I, it, was I feel like- it was like, it was, yeah, it was like breaking news either. Like I, maybe it was Monday. But yeah, I mean, it, it's trickled down for sure. But um, I, I'm with you. I, I I still think it's way too high. It, yeah, I do. Over too. fifty I, on that is 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 kind of crazy to me. Um, yeah, I thought the same thing before. I was, but when I was going into today and I was looking at some of the over unders, I was like, oh, maybe this game's gonna be like forty seven and a half. And then I saw that it was at fifty point five, and I was like, it's only moved a half point since I grabbed it on. Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So I like the under here. And this is probably going to be my uh, single game parlay uh, just as a little teaser, uh, just because I think the under is a strong play. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the under in that one. So what am I on? The fourth game? Is it the, yeah. Yeah, this is the fourth game. Uh, fourth game. All right. So I got Cincinnati at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are minus 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah I'm on the Dolphins. I'm on the Dolphins this week. Um, can, can you name the starting quarterback for the Dolphins this week? Uh, I mean, I can. <laughs> to be honest with you, they're playing a Cincinnati team that doesn't have Burrow. It, I could be quarterbacking. Yeah. I could actually. It, it, they might actually be fine. And then to be fair, neither quarterback's bad. You know, like Tua. Tua hasn't been insane by any stretch, but you know. I mean, I'm not I, talking I think, Colt I think, McCoy here. Honestly, I think you can read between the lines. If you look at some of the uh, pressers, I'd be shocked if Fitzy doesn't start just because he the coach keeps saying that Tua will start as long as he's a hundred percent. I think the thumb still bother him. I don't, he was eliminated at practices today, so he's not a full go at practice. So I, I think with him, if you can kind of read between the lines, he's saying as long as he's a hundred percent, he's going to start. I, I actually do think Fitz, Fitzy will start, but even if he doesn't, I think Tua is more than capable of beating the Cincinnati Bengals. And now I will tell you why. Um, I did think last week because of the Burrow injury, we saw the line for the New York Giants and Cincy game move like eight points. I did think it was justified, um, even though Cincy covered in that New New York Giants game. I still think the Giants are the the side to be on, um, and that's why that's why I think I, I, Miami's the the play here. Last week, Cincy caught some breaks. Last week, after the Giants scored on their opening drive, Cincinnati, Cincinnati scores on the next kickoff return, <laughs> so it's seven seven right there. Uh, Daniel Jones picks up an injury. Colt, Colt McCoy has to step in as his replacement. Not a terrible replacement, but he's no Daniel Jones. And uh, the final drive where they scored their the two TD, there was two big penalties, uh, roughing the passer and pass interference that resulted in 32 free yards for them. So it wasn't like they sustained a long drive and were able to get a, get a score out of it. So they really didn't have a genuinely all-offense uh, TD in that game, um, and th- and then they overcame some lop- lopsided stats to be on the right side of the spread. Since he did, um, they went three for ten on third down efficiency. Total yards in that game was 155 to the Giants 386. Time of possession 22 minutes to the Giants 37. 
the and, and also the Giants had 12 offensive drives, eight of which got into Cincy territory. Three of those eight got it to the red zone, and the Giants were only uh, only scored one TD out of those three. So I think Miami's an all-around better team than the Giants are. Um, some of the things that Cincy got away with probably uh, won't happen this week. Again, I, I mentioned the third down conversion. They, they were 30% against a Giants team who's 22nd in third down defense. Miami's ranked number one in that category. Giants had three takeaways in that game, only mustered six points of those turnovers. I believe one of those turnovers also happened in Cincinnati's red zone. And they were still only be able to come up uh, six points off those turnovers. Miami second in the league in takeaways. I guarantee you they're going to score more than six points off them if they give them the opportunity. And then the, the red zone offense, Giants rank second to last in red zone TDs. Miami's in the top half. So, like I said, I, I think I think Cincinnati was a, you know, I think the injury to Burrow was a huge blow to this team, and I think they fought last week. I also think they got a bit of luck on that kickoff return and and gave them a little bit of confidence. I do think Miami is supposed to either get Miles Gaskin or Salavon Ahmad back. Either one of those guys is going to is going to do great against a very porous run defense uh, of Cincinnati. So and also um, I I mentioned I do think Fitzy is going to be a starter. Either him or Tua, I think we'll have a great day on this uh, Pat. Cincinnati pass defense so I get it that it's a lot of points but remember we we kind of liked we, we kind of liked the uh the Giants last week and if Jones didn't go down I, I think that they they were going to hit that spread I think Miami hits that spread pretty uh pretty easily on um for the 11 and a half oh yeah I definitely like Miami uh I I, I think the points is what's scaring me away from this no you're right Miami's definitely the right side there I I think that the, the Cincinnati's got a zero percent chance of winning that game they're inept uh, so my last pick is going to be the New York Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. I like this as an underplay. Uh, the right now the under is forty-seven and a half. Uh, I think it's a it's a short week. Seattle is coming back from a game against uh, the Eagles on Monday night. Uh, the Giants have a better defense than the Eagles, and they have Colt McCoy starting at quarterback. Also, uh, over the last handful of weeks. The, since the running backs have been getting healthy for Seattle, they've been running the ball more. So I think that's going to be longer drives, more time off the clock, less pass happy for Wilson. So I think the possessions are going to be down. So I like the under here at 47 and a half. I yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, sure. <laughs> Maybe uh, my last pick I'm actually putting, or I don't know if we're doing this anyways, but uh, I got the Vegas Raiders at the New York Jets. I'm actually taking the under 47. I actually was thinking about uh, liking the Raiders at seven and a half, but now that's nine and a half, um, and it's probably likely to climb a little bit more. But the yeah, over under hasn't moved at all from what I've seen. It stayed at 47 pretty consistently. So the Jets just don't score against good teams. Against teams with winning records, they're averaging eight points a game. That's eight. Not 18, not 88. Most they've scored uh, uh, has been 17 points in week one against the Bills. And their average point margin is 19 points. Uh, against teams with losing records, they score 24 points a game. Average point margin, only nine points. So they they actually play half decently against really bad teams. But when they go up against a winning team uh, like the Raiders, they get smoked. So the Jets aren't going to score any points, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they are going to lose pretty handily. That's why nine and a half has 
probably ticked up and will continue to tick up. And I, I also think that Vegas will come out hungry. I mean, if they had if they had won against uh, Atlanta or even just shown up, I would have thought that this game could have been a, a slight a sneaky trap game. They have something to prove, and I think they're going to take on a, on a really bad Jets team. So um, this is actually going to be. Are we doing segment game parlays? Yeah, we'll announce them at the end of this. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll just wait for that. Raiders under. Yeah. Also, uh, the Raiders are ninth in rushing attempts per game. So I, I think anytime you have a, a beefed up rushing attack and you're betting the under, that's a good thing. It's just going to burn time off the clock. Uh, all right. Do we want to transition to single game parlays? Okay. So I'll start. For my single game parlay, I'm going to be going back to the Indianapolis at Houston Texans game. Uh, so my best bet earlier was Houston under 50 and a half. I'm sorry, the the, the under at 50.5. So I'm going to be going with Indianapolis money line because I think of all the injuries on Houston side, they're going to be able to handle them. I'm going to take the under at the 50.5, and then I'm going to be going to Brandon Cooks to score an anytime touchdown because he's the only wide receiver they have, and they're going to have to force him the ball. So that's going to be my. Do they have game. odds on Brandon? No, they don't. I imagine. I was just I, curious, take- I, I didn't. I mean, sometimes Fan, FanDuel is kind of weird on some. Sometimes they have the players a little bit before. Uh, uh, open for certain games and others not. So I was just curious if there was if that was up yet or not. I'm going to guess he's going to be plus 170. That's not a bad guess, uh, just because. Well, how many touchdowns does he have on the season? I wonder. Well, that's the thing. He's he's a small guy, uh, so I don't I don't think he's. Uh, but I think it's going to be a volume thing. Like if he, if, I wouldn't be shocked if we come on the Sunday recap and he had fourteen targets. Oh, targets! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catches, not catches. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, the, I think Watson's going to force the ball his way. No, it's not. I actually don't mind that one at all. Um. Uh, gonna do the same game parlay on the on my last pick. I have Raiders at nine and a half, and then the under at forty seven. And then once the player props come out, put Jake's Jacobs as my third tier of the uh, single game parlay FanDuel runs. And at that point, uh, I, I won't. I right now I don't know what Jacobs line is gonna be, so that'll determine whether or not how much I can change the over under and the total or i'm sorry and the spread for the vegas raiders i'd probably like to tick down the raiders uh line by to as close to six and a half because i think at six and a half is only minus 150 so with that single game parlay i think that's almost a shoe in i i'm pretty sure I'll, I'll probably tweet it at some point when i make the bet so just yeah just follow us from here on out till sunday at one o'clock i think that's when they play and then uh You'll know what I say. Uh, Follow so, us. Yeah, that Twitter handle is Live to Grasp. Now, can we get into our big announcement? That oh yeah. So anybody who plays fantasy, this is the last week of the regular season for fantasy week thirteen. In the most playoffs, leagues, most in most leagues. leagues. Yeah, but go yeah. ahead. Sorry, sorry, interrupt. So then, the in most standard leagues, the playoffs are weeks fourteen through sixteen. So sixteen is going to be a big week. Where anybody heading into a fantasy championship is going to be uh, is going to be interested in, in the information we're going to be giving out for that week about unders, weather, any other things that might be affecting how their players are going to play. Also, we have kind of a fun slate because it's also Christmas week, so the only game there's no Thursday game that week. So we have Friday is uh, the Friday, which is actually Christmas. Uh, there's a Vikings at Saints game, and then the Sunday slate is packed and there's i'm sorry there's also saturday games um, there's a friday game i did not a, know that 
Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recap the slate here. So Friday is a Vikings at Saints game at 4:30 p.m. on Christmas Day. Awesome. The next day, Saturday, we have three games on Saturday. We have Bucks, Lions, Niners, Cards, and Dolphins, Raiders. Uh, then we have a full Sunday slate, and we still have a Monday night game that week. So it's just f- four straight days of football, which is awesome in and of itself. On top of the fact that anybody playing fantasy that's in a championship round has that added that added fun and it's also the tip off uh nba 2020 2021 season can you hear Uh, my eyes roll i don't know (laughs) so we decided because of all the stuff going on that week you decided you decided you're right i decided (laughs) uh because of the nba tip off all the the four straight days of nfl coverage we're going to be going all in on a lot of these games it's going to be super relevant to fantasy owners. It's going to be the last relevant week for gambling before the playoffs because week 17 is always kind of a clusterfuck based on teams either fully in on tanking and just throwing games or teams knowing where they are playoff wise and you know might pull their players at halftime. All that stuff gets really murky. So I think it's going to be the last good regular season game. NBA is tipping off Christmas, Christmas Day game, all that. So we're going to be having... A fucking holiday show. Our holiday show is going to be on December 23rd is when we're going to film it. It's going to be up on the morning of filming it. We're going to film it. (laughs) We should film it. Oh, this is getting better by the second. So it's going to be up on the morning of the 24th. And we are committing to at least 60 to 90 minutes of drinking before we turn the mics on. Um, and I, and trust me, when it comes to challenges and drinking, I'm going to be five beers deep before this, before this mic has a green light on. So, uh, it's going to be an awesome show. I can't tell you how excited I am for it. Um, so our holiday show is going to be on December 23rd, going up on the morning of December 24th. And yeah, that's the big announcement. Yeah. My big announcement for that day. Uh, if, if you don't like hearing people ramble, maybe just, you know, cut my section out as much as you can BJ. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, rambling a lot if I, uh, if I got some drinks in me. So we'll see. I'm actually excited too. I mean, yeah, the the NBA, it's just the NBA. You're much more into NBA, more plugged in on that. Uh, like I'm plugged in on semi EPL, (laughs) hockey what else is there pinochle <laughs> what else is there <laughs> uh yeah it'll be it'll be fun i mean winding down this nfl season has been pretty nuts so we gotta we gotta look at uh what else we can uh, bet on in the in the near future so looking forward yeah. to it are we you know what we should do we should figure out are, are you gonna be a beer man that day that's a great great question uh i actually have too much beer for my fridges right now i have beer sitting out uh oh, so man. i I'm in a position I might be forced to drink beers just simply from a s- supply and demand situation. That also being said, I love myself a Christmas cocktail. So uh, I don't know. I might be switching up. I might be I'm going back yeah. and forth. <laughs> Maybe I'll just make a whole bunch of like crazy cocktails and tell you at the very end which one, if you can still coherently hear me or understand me, uh, tell you which one's my favorite. But yeah, bourbon it up, man. Yeah, it's like those nights when you walk outside and you have a hot tub and a pool, but it's like at a temperature, you're like, I can kind of do both. And if you're a fucking maniac, sometimes you actually do both. That's kind of how I'm going to approach the drinking situation for the Christmas show. Or uh, our families are going to love us. 
Oh, yeah. My wife already hates the idea. I was so excited when I came up with it. I was like, why aren't we doing a holiday show? Look at all the sports that are lining up the week of Christmas. And then she just stared at me dead eyed. Uh, but what are you going to do? I'm we do it. Curious. We do it for the people. Ooh, you know what else? There's some big EPL games that day. Maybe I'll, you know what? That's what I'll do. It's uh, it's the Saturday after Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll pick. Ooh, there's a Leicester City. Leicester City. I'm sure I'm messing that up. Manchester United. Actually, there's only one game that's actually really relevant in that game. So, yeah, yeah. you can cut all this out, by the way. No, I'm going to play the part where you say you're the expert and then can't pronounce the cities. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't come to me for the picks. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how some of these actually plan out. And we should actually take a look at some of the, uh, the, the future bets that we had at the beginning of the season, because then at that point we can kind of say, you know, what we hit, what we missed on and, and what we were thinking when we actually miss the uh, ones we miss. So, All right. I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, if you like what you heard, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. And if you hate what you heard, let us know and email us at livedegrass at gmail.com. We will respond to literally everything. All right. Take care, guys.